0: We're here today with Aaron Cox. I'm your host, Brandon Longjoy with the EOS Network Foundation. And Aaron, you're a difficult person to introduce. I mean, for me, you're kind of a quintessential figure in the space. And I suspect for a lot of people, you are your history with EOS and indeed with EOSIO. Now, antelope goes back to the very beginning, but let's go even further back before, before even that, you were very much involved in the steam blockchain that's where where we first met i believe if i'm not mistaken yeah yeah and like 2015, 20 i don't even remember it was a long time (laughs) yeah i think you're about right 20 2014 i feel like in april of 2014 i was out in blackbird getting to know what was going on with the BitShares team and then somewhere no that was 2015 i don't know it's all a blur but so so you got into were you involved in BitShares at all? I can't remember if you...
1: I was not. I was in the crypto scene before then, but my first like dive straight in was right around the launch of Steam. Okay, awesome. So then you came in and you were... How did you get involved in Steam? What, what led you to be a block producer on that? I was working at a startup at the time doing kind of... My history before blockchain was all in kind of social systems and like connecting people on the web. And one of the things I was working on at the time was kind of a review engine. And trust was a big issue, like being able to understand and have verifiability in people reviewing things. And when I stumbled into Steam, because I was just like passively interested in crypto at that point, it was seeing user-generated content on the blockchain that drew me in to actually start like investigating in the technology so that's i guess what pulled me in and steam being this like oh people can actually like write and participate on chain with more than just financial activity is when i decided to jump in and start learning and building and that's the origin of kind of how i got to
0: where we are today yeah. So you, you kept at it with steam and of course steam forked to hive. I know there's some really interesting stories and lessons from all that. We probably don't need to get into right. But just, just for context for any listeners out there and you were a block producer or back then it was called something else co-witness like on that yep. network. And then, so when EOS launched, what was your, you know, what was your segue
1: there? How did you, how did you make the, the leap? No pilot Well. I'd always, like, Steam was very much designed to be this, like, social media platform, and I wanted it to be able to do other things. Mm. So when, you know, EOS was announced and the EOSIO stack, it was what I wanted Steam to do originally, to branch off into more generic purposes and allow multiple applications to exist, like, coexist with different purposes in the same space. With Steam, it was all very much structured, like, here's a post. Here's this reward system around these posts and you can like things. But when it opened, like EOS offered the potential to do that and then anything else alongside of it with just this generic smart contract language. So for me, it was kind of just the natural evolution of going from this very bespoke blockchain that did one thing to having a similar blockchain with the account structure some sort of resource system and all of the like, and with the block production mechanisms into a generic use case that anybody could build on. Like that was just, it was such a powerful step forward. It was no longer, you know, you needed the witnesses and steam to approve the system contract updates to make the system behave differently. It was, you could deploy your own contract that would perform its own logic. So it kind of, it zoomed out that idea and just made it that much more flexible for people like me who wanted to build apps to actually get involved and not have to go through governance to affect change and deploy applications. Awesome, yeah. So with EOS Emerge,
0: one of the first prime examples of a real general purpose um, smart contract platform, giant permissionless ledger that anyone can plug into. And when, when EOS first launched, interestingly, to continue a bit with your running bio here, we didn't have any way to vote. So in June of twenty eighteen, when EOS first went live, I mean, apart from Cleos, the command line, I don't know that there was another way to vote. And along along comes Aaron and had had Gray was Graymas was a uh, one of the the Genesis BPs, so I presume like you were formed and you were you're up and running at that point. And what made you say like we're we're gonna be the ones that produce it was called EOS Voter then, before Anchor
1: like allow people to start casting votes for block producers? Well, I, it's because it's what I knew at that time in my efforts to build other applications on steam, I had already for, I think maybe two years, been working on kind of wallet software in the steam ecosystem. So it was when Scott and I, Scott is the other co-founder of gray mass, we teamed up, I was like, Hey, let's, let's, this will be our public offering. This will be what we know that we can bring to the ecosystem and we can leverage kind of some of the tech that we've already built because Steam and EOS were somewhat similar. So we decided that was the first project we would take on alongside launching APIs to power it because both Scott and I were very big API providers in the Steam ecosystem. So we were like, let's do a wallet, let's do APIs, and let's just connect people to the chain. And even before... Like, when working on wallets in the Steam ecosystem, we had seen the difficulties of, like, connecting external apps. So we were like, okay, we're going to gonna take what we know and we're going to start building and start doing this, like, integration layer so that way we can build the apps that we wanted to build on the blockchain. And we still haven't quite gotten back to that yet. Still building the tools to build the house, right? Yeah, yeah. Eventually,
0: we'll have our own house. Oh, the analogies are just going to start creeping in here. I can feel it. So... So yeah, Yo's voter came online. Eventually that was rebranded to Anchor. Anchor became a pretty, like a cornerstone wallet in the, in the ecosystem, let's say. And y'all continued working on that. Welcome to your architects of consensus interview, by the way. Hope it's fine that we've just, <laughs> like I see you as one of the core architects. And it's interesting. We focused in the past on, on more of the, like the deeper consensus level protocol engineers, but in reality, and like, you're one of the people that's working to bring that sort of like deep, dark machinery that no one can really touch or access. And, you know, we very few people have the, the skills to do it and you're making it accessible. And, and so perhaps that's our segue into, into Worf. So yeah, I think your bona fides are very established now. If anyone didn't know Aaron Cox before tuning in, now you have a pretty good idea. This gentleman's been at it for quite a while and. I do want to ask before we get into Worf fully, what, so, okay, so you kind of said you came to EOS as kind of like this natural migration from Steam and you continue to build on on EOS to this day and now you're even building tools to help people build on EOS with, with Worf. I don't know, before we go too deep into the details here, like, what keeps you, what keeps you building
1: in this space? What gets you up in the morning? I, I think it really does boil back down to that. I eventually have dreams of building an app and I know what tools I need to build that app and they just, they haven't existed. We, we spent a lot of years, like the early years of EOS building the tools we needed around Anchor exclusively. Like when Fuel came out, Fuel was exclusively for Anchor for a really long time, really up until recently. But it didn't have to be. But the only reason it was was because we were we were kind of relegated to our own sandbox. You know, we we had control over this one app and the SDKs for our app, but we couldn't get outside of that because there were just these other tools that were being built that wasn't taking into account all of these things that we needed. So WORF really gave us the chance to be like, okay, we're not we're not building tools for our products. We're building tools for all products. And we're going to take everything we learned that we built into Anchor and we're going to bring that out so that way anybody can use it with any application.
0: Awesome. Yeah. And, and so also for those that don't know, now EOS is part of a coalition of blockchains that all are running on the same software stack essentially, which is Antelope. And the C implementation is called Leap. So when we say Antelope, leap. That's what we're talking about. And, you know, you started out developing pretty much on EOS and not just an EOS, but for your own particular wallet, having to build your own tools and handle all that stuff. And I guess it was with the funding of the blue papers and the wallet plus blue paper
1: that this project that Worf really began. Is that right? I mean, there's some origins even further back. We... It depends on how deep down you want to go into the SDK layer. Like our initial try at all of this with Anchor was using the SDKs that Block One created, basically when the network launched. And then those SDKs didn't really evolve at all, but the network kept evolving. So I think it was maybe twenty nineteen or twenty twenty. We set out to build SDKs that replaced what Block One had built, and then we started using those internally. Okay. Give us a sense
0: for like what was here when when you first started thinking there needed to be something different. Like what were those early SDKs and like what were their limitations or why did you feel like you needed to take in a new direction?
1: The like EOSJS is probably the if you're a developer in the space you've probably worked with it. It's incredibly opinionated. Like it was built in a very rudimentary way that like if you wanted to perform a transaction you had to do steps one through ten like there was no way to be like oh i don't want to do step six it was that's what i mean by it was opinionated and we really ran into a lot of problems when we were using it for anchor and then when we were using it for our sdks and i know other developers probably can share in this feeling when they've tried to do something and it just like you're you're driving down this road in this very specific path there we go another analogy (laughs) but there was no opportunity to break out of that. Like you couldn't go your own way with that software. So we had a point where it was just, we needed to go other directions to improve the user experience, Fuel being a really good example of that. And the software just didn't allow us to. And there was so little collaboration happening from the external community, us being in the external with the developers who maintained the software, Block one. That we were like, okay, we just need to abandon this and go our own path. We migrated all of our software to that and started... Like, that is the framework in which all of Worf is now built on, is this more flexible, verbose thing that anybody can use to build their own paths. And we're now using Worf to create what we think some of the best paths are. But if you don't like that path, now there's an option to break out of it and, like, go your own way. So that's really kind of the origin of a lot of this SDK progress it was our frustration with how it worked and our inability to affect change at the kind of the core level so we just started doing it on our own and it was just us using it for a long time and then more people found it and started using it and then eventually it was like okay we have this big idea and we can't just do it alone because it's going to take us like all of our resources for at least a year to pull off and that's was written into the Wallet Plus Blue Paper as kind of that first proposal where like this is the number one thing we think needs to be done is building a new foundation for everyone else to build upon. So that's kind of the origins of Worf and how we got to where we're at today. Awesome. Thanks for the much more granular history. I guess I wasn't
0: totally aware of a lot of the earlier conversations, which is great. I'm learning as we go here and also just to keep this conversation as accessible as possible to anyone that's just tuning in and doesn't know a lot of these terms, like could you just give us a like a, the cliff notes version of what is an SDK? Why does it matter? Software development kit is what it stands for.
1: Yeah, it's it's basically a component that you can use that gives you tools that you might need. If we want to run with another analogy, it would be like if you were dropped in the middle of nowhere and you needed to build shelter or whatever, like, and you had no tools, you'd have to make your own tools. Whereas like in this hypothetical analogy, it's like, okay, we dropped you off in the middle of nowhere and now here's a toolbox. It's got a hammer and some nails and a screwdriver. That's what the SDK is for developers. It gives them that basic set of tools for the thing that they need to do. So it's just this... It's super valuable when you're walking into an ecosystem. There were no SDKs in the Steam world. You jumped in and you had to build your house from scratch, building your tools along the way. But at least when EOS launched, we had some rudimentary tools, but like all we had was like a hammer you could use with your foot or something. It wasn't great. Yeah, that doesn't sound ideal. Okay, cool.
0: And I had some other stuff, but we'll just shelve that for now and just get into the the heart of the matter because I think we've been teasing people long enough, So at least I have them. Thanks for playing a lot. I think it's valuable history to to help us understand, you know, how we got here and why we're in this space. A lot of people, I think don't have all this history kind of baked in their brain. So it's good. So you, you said that the, the wharf, wharf kit, originally the wallet plus blue paper, and that was funded by a grant to the ENF and then. And then eventually it got funded through the analog Coalition itself. The actual coding of it. Right. So how it all. Yep. So now that you've, we've gotten to the point, we just released the first session kit, V1, is that right?
1: With a couple others on the way. Yep. Uh, yep. There. Yeah. Go ahead. Drop us into what's on offer. Sure. A couple of weeks ago we released the the version one kind of the production ready version of the session kit which to kind of step back from that a little bit Worf as a project is a suite of tools like it is it's like a name brand of tools the session kit itself is one of these products in this product suite it's it's the one that I think everybody's probably most familiar with because it replaces all of the tools we've had up until now. The, the Antelope library is a, like kind of the foundation of all of this. And it's also part of the Wharf product suite. That is, we basically rebranded EOSIO Core, the piece we were talking about a little earlier. And now we're just calling it Antelope because it's kind of the core library for it. So these are the two major components that are out in the wild at this point. They're being used in production by a handful of applications already. Some of the early adopters have been just running with it and building it into their applications. And then there are other components that exist in this product suite. We're going to probably talk about the session kit mostly today, which is the one that was released recently, and then there's also going to be the contract kit, which is this new tool that has never existed before in our space that serves a completely different function, functions that all developers in the space are creating themselves. This will you know, give them a toolbox for that area of development that they're doing right now. And then we're going to have a number of other packages that are coming out in this product suite, like the account kit, which that one is coming after the contract kit. And then there are going to be some starter kits whether they are for specific frameworks. So that way, you know, you're like, I'm a view developer or something. And I, you could have a view starter kit that bundles everything up for you in this nice way to get started on a new project. And there will also be some other products that are focused on specific contracts or specific protocols, like there will be an Atomic Assets bundle per se that will live under this umbrella of the Worf project. So Worf in itself is just this big umbrella that encompasses all of this new tooling that developers will be able to leverage when they're building applications in this kind of modular plugin approach based way.
0: Nice. That's a good overview. So you've got the session kit, the contract kits coming next, and then an account kit, and then some other other items that we don't need to get into so much, but a session kit. Well, first, just rolling back a little bit, what sort of developers are going to be able to use these tools? Like, who are you providing these, these tools for now? Like,
1: describe your target audience, I guess. Like, who do you want to get in and start picking up these tools? It's, the audience is basically anybody that is using a variant of JavaScript. You know, they're building web applications or web-based applications for any Antelope blockchain. You know, it could be EOS or WAX or Telos or UX. Uh, Any of these chains, this will be compatible with development around plugins. And then it's also extensible. So that way, if there's other, some other Antelope chain in the future that might be doing something somewhat differently, those, like, it'll work there too, maybe with some modifications. But, like, the audience itself is really, Antelope developers using JavaScript. And if somebody isn't familiar with blockchain but they, they have an
0: inkling that they want to use blockchain where would you put this on like the scale of difficulty in their in the journey of like a like a journeyman application developer that wants to use blockchain are you anticipating that you'll have some beginners coming in and, and using these
1: tools i'm trying to figure out how to the web apps using antelope i think so i mean you need a grasp on the language itself in order to be able to use it but i believe that even some more junior developers are going to be able to pick this up and make use of it and the way that a lot of this is designed especially the session kit is to more align the blockchain conventions to traditional web development conventions that's that's why it's called the session kit is that sessions are a common principle in web development like typically it's your web browser establishing a session with some sort of backend application. It's just in this instance, the black, the backend is a blockchain or a wallet. So we're, we're trying to make those connections. So that way the developers who are coming in, you know, if they're learning web development or they're very versed in web development will maybe instinctually make that connection of like, oh, this is how I establish and do this concept with my users and can build my application. But you're still going to have to know how to build a web application in order to use it am not going to teach people how to do that necessarily yeah you know you got to have your idea and you got to have your own skill yeah. set that you bring to the table yeah you just you just dashed all my hopes and dreams i thought that session <laughs> kit was going to do everything no it's not some plug-in say, a code generator that builds your app for you yeah well
0: yeah i've already been warned against using ai for developing smart contracts so Principles probably applies in both cases. Well, cool. So tell us a little bit more, I guess. Like let's get into session kit a little bit more. We are gonna do this AMA on the thirty-first, where it's basically gonna be a master class on, on Wharf Kit with Aaron. So you're gonna wanna keep an eye out for that. I don't believe we posted about it yet, but August 31st, so keep an eye out. And then we'll have a chance to get pretty deep into all these different territories and take questions. Also if anyone has any questions just going to go ahead and say throw your hand up in the air if you want to if you want to grab the mic and ask questions on today no problem at all i'm just going to keep going a little further on session kit while you all think on that yeah so you said that session kit is kind of like a very familiar concept of creating a session like can you need to go a little further into what the significance is of session kit as it applies
1: to eos or any other antelope blockchain development Yeah, One of the, I think, biggest points of friction that a lot of applications have, you know, whether it's some DeFi app or NFTs or a game or social or whatever it may be that you're building, is how do you connect your users to your application? And I think what you'll see is that currently a lot of the most popular applications have spent significant amounts of time solving those problems on their own whether they're building their own like robust login system or they're handling account creation or they're managing resources for users just to make it so that the user, their user of their application can focus on their application and less on the like mundane nature of managing your own blockchain account. All of the successful apps we see, like those apps are solving that problem by themselves. And often it's not shareable between applications. So there's no, like, application A did a really good job at solving one of those aspects. Application B just can't pick that up and use it. The session kit is meant to be that, like, nexus that connects and allows people to share that kind of code, you know? If you are using the session kit and you build a plugin that really helps solve one of these problems, well, you can publish that and then other applications can use it, and it, it's one of those... The tide rises all boats type situations so that's kind of the big impact of the session kit and i know there's probably going to be a lot of for some of the applications that have already started solving these problems or have straight out solved them from their experience perspective it's going to be a lift to swap over and be able to move into the shareable environment as with any shift in technology but moving forward as more and more people start using this and more and more people start sharing their work. That just means that more applications can leverage that. It'll help establish best practices. It'll help people learn how to do these things more effectively. Because now we're isolating those those things into packages that we can share with each other. For sure. So you alluded
0: to the fact that developers can, can get in and create their own, they can add to the session kit. So Session kit is, or I mean, sorry, Wharf kit is is free and open source software, correct? Yep. What are some of the, maybe you could talk a little bit about that for a second. Like, what are some of the ways you envision developers kind of creating or building, extending this tool set that you are working on? And what are maybe some of the ways that they could get involved
1: now? Yeah. Kind of going all the way back towards the beginning of the call, one of the things we talked about was kind of how rigid The stuff we're all using was, whether it's ESJS or UAL or some of these other tools. And our goal was to really make this as flexible as possible. And one of the ways we did that was through various plugins that developers can use. There's four different kinds that tackle four different areas of development. Currently, we can add more if we need them moving over time. But currently, the four areas are wallets, which is a pretty big one. That's how your application is going to connect with an external wallet, whether that's Anchor or the WAX Cloud wallet or whatever it may be. Anybody can build a plugin like this that connects to any wallet, essentially, so long as it's capable of taking in the data and then returning the data it needs. Like there's a some architecture there. The other three are, there's one called the Transact plugin, which modifies how how a transaction is performed. And this is what is used for things like providing resources to users or correcting problems with transactions or ensuring that like, if X happens, Y happens. It's it's this plug-in approach that allows flexible abilities to perform transactions. There's another one for logging in, which just basically adds the capability for you to model different login behaviors. Maybe when... In your application, when a user logs in, maybe you also need to connect to a backend service, like a a web 2.0, more centralized service. You could build a plugin for that, that then during the login process that's built into the session kit, it could then perform that additional logic and log you into something else, completely unrelated to Worf. And then the last one is actually the user interface itself is a plugin. We publish a user interface plugin by default so that way there's a out-of-the-box experience with this. But the way that the, plug- that the user interface plugins are created allows anybody to actually go and create their own version of a user interface if they wanted to. That one's probably the most complicated and rough around the edges at this point. But these four different areas give developers the opportunity to either solve problems in their application without having to go edit kind of, you know, doing it exclusively in your side. Or it allows you to build just generic solutions and then share them and distribute them and be like, hey guys, I built this really cool way of solving this problem. And here's a package that's open source hosted on GitHub and you can just install it and it'll work in your application too. It gives that opportunity to share it rather than just saying, hey, go look at how I did this and then copy it and put like wedge it into your code, which is what we all have to do today without war. Gotcha. Gotcha. So lots of opportunities for people to get in and
0: play around with these plugins and figure out different ways to extend the functionality, which is cool. It's nice to have a little community that can kind of grow around this set of tools. Because so you don't want to be building tools by yourself, which, you know, unfortunately we've been doing for a long time. Everybody in there were a little bubble. So now we have a common framework. We can all gather around, gather at the wharf, look out over the water yeah. of your Unicode. How did
1: you get on this, this nautical team? By the way, I think it kind of originated because it's pretty rough in crypto at times, so a little wild and unpredictable. And so is the ocean and the anchor. So that was the first, the first one, huh? Yeah, your anchor. Down. Yeah, the anchor is what secures you and helps you know you stay steady in an otherwise uncertain environment. So yeah, you really do love analogies. I mean, your whole your whole brand scheme. Yeah, is a big analogy. I'm fun. Yeah, it really
0: is. We've had fun with it. That's though. good. Yeah, I'm I'm fine at the oceans, so you, you, it's an easy sell for me. All right. So let's see here. Where do we need to go next? I'm curious. What is your vision? Take us a little further down the road. With okay, so Session Kit is out now. People can get their hands on that and start playing around. We've got the Contract Kit and the Account Kit coming. What is like fast forward to Session Contract and Account Kits all being out? Paint a picture for me of like what it should be like to build on eos or or any
1: antelope chain with with all these tools available what do you hope to see i really hope to see a lot of development around plugins and then as that development occurs that there are people identifying areas that we may have missed and maybe contributing back up to the core code base and being like hey we need this opportunity to do this thing. And it's something that like during our work over the last couple of years, we've never thought of. So, and then being able to come together and like figure out, okay, how do we solve this for everybody? So that way we can move forward with that. So I really hope this is an opportunity for the development community to come together around the wharf. But I really hope that we see a lot of applications that adopt this and then don't need to write so much code and they're gonna be able to faster on what their actual vision for their application is. That is why we started down this path, going all the way back to Steam was like, we want the tools to exist so that way we can build the applications we've always dreamed of existing and having it so that other people are able to use those tools as well. But in terms of like actual, like what comes after that, we're gonna just start dogfooding and using wharf on our side to build applications and really put it through its paces and i think that's going to determine what what kind of looks what things look like next and obviously we hope other people are going to do that and collaborate so i i think in telegram somebody asked like some of the future features could be for wharf that are implemented and none of these are in scope of the project as it exists now but I want to see like automatic siding type procedures, which we've been calling requests request for permission. So that way you can authorize applications to perform actions on your behalf, or I guess you can authorize other devices. So like, let's say you are a Ledger user and you find this really cool game you like, and it uses Worf. The game using Worf would be able to say, hey, pay external wallet, which right now it happens to be a ledger. My game calls these actions. It lets people move their pieces on the board or whatever you know, whatever the action is. This is a low security action, and we'd like to be able to do it without the user author like clicking their ledger and cycling through the transaction every time. And then the ledger could authorize that game, whether it's in your browser or actually like a downloadable game on Steam or Epic or whatever platforms exist. And then the game itself will be able to just do that without any user interaction from the external wallet. And then at any point, you could use your other wallet to like revoke that permission. Like that's something that we're building f- with that feature in mind because like I really want that feature. But there's also things like light accounts that could be implemented in here so that you could do like in-app creation with just a click. And like the key is generated in the app and you can sign transactions there. And then maybe you could walk through processes to further secure your account in the future if it ever became, you know, like something worth protecting. So there's there's a lot of angles we could hit and like future ways we could build on top of Wharf to add just some really cool functionality. Yeah, that
0: was, you you anticipated my next question and just kept rolling right into it. That was a great question from Stonehenge in the... EOS Network Foundation chat about this very thing that you are just talking about being able to sign or like authorize the signing of transactions, which seems like a pretty crucial feature to have for kind of having that web two experience. So there aren't many people I know that want to use an application and approve every single separate individual transaction. You want to be able to trust the application with a certain level of permission. And then, you know, yeah, so... Do we have any sense for, I I hate to ask about timelines, but like, like when, when can we hope to see some of this sort of functionality be available on,
1: on Antelope and EOS? That's a good question. I mean, I don't have, I don't have timelines for that kind of (laughs) stuff right now. Like I said, these are ideas that are outside of the scope of the project, but Worf will make possible. So it's possible other people just kind of come along and build these like, yeah. I mean, there's going to need to be some collaboration. Like if anybody else did it today, which I actually think the UX team experimented with a plugin that does something similar to that. But like if you do it now and you're an Anchor user, Anchor is going to pop up with a big, ugly warning that's like, hey, this is dangerous. What are you doing? Yeah. So like doing kind of a, a community collaborative project to deliver something like that, I think is the right way to do it. So that way it's something that works with all wallets and all wallets know how to not scare their reserves (laughs) and all applications could use it. So it's certainly something that anybody could build, but it will require some collaboration between lots of parties to be able to pull something like that off. So maybe that it needs to be a proposal at some point that's put up to some entity to like facilitate that happening, but it's... We're we're kind of all hands on deck on the actual scope of the current project, while we're dreaming about all these other things we could do in the future. For sure, the yeah. So like wharf, wharf really is the spot where we all
0: get together. In a sense, you know, it's like you're talking about having to collaborate in order to, you know, it's sta- it's a standards question, really. At the end of the day, yeah, wharf is the place we can all gather around, and you know, any different chain using Antelope based software and kind of agree on the way that we go about doing these things for the different wallets, then that'll be killer because we'll, yeah, we'll have very friction-free experiences and lots of, lots of people able to like pitch in to the work at the same time. Yeah. I think, yeah, that's one of the hidden benefits of the Coalition, you know, especially as we get out further into like the application layer, you know, because I know a lot of the, the deeper, heavier lifting at the consensus level has been, you know, only... Really possible for a very rare class of human. But I think with the SDKs, it seems like this is a more uh, accessible terrain
1: for a lot more developers to to lend a hand. Yeah. The audience is much wider than like the platform itself. Like when we're talking the recent developments in like IBC or changing consensus, like we're talking about in Leap Mm 5.0, like those are those are very inaccessible. Like even to me, a lot of that's inaccessible. Whereas on the Wharf side, it's just this broad community and it's more focused on the application layer. It's it's the middle ground, It's the last mile of delivery of this. So I know I got asked recently about like what I'd like to see next in kind of the platform side of things. And that was my answer was focusing on the last mile of the platform and how we deliver and improve user experience from the platform itself in conjunction with something like Worf. Whether that means we're making the permission system better, or we're making the APIs that Leap provides better, and just finding ways to increase the interoperability between those two things. So that way, you know, that the delivery to the end user is just that much more pleasant. Or unobtrusive. Yeah, it seems like... Yeah, Wharf opens up a lot of collaboration between the layers, or
0: potential for opportunity for you know adjusting the different layers. Gosh, I had another question. I guess I'll 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 come back to that when it returns to my brain. What what advice would you give to new builders just getting started in the ecosystem? Like where it's at now versus where we see it being. What's a good place
1: to for people to start? I mean, provided they have you know knowledge on how to use Javascript and that's the direction they're going. I would say embrace the new tooling. Like don't, don't get lost in the old tooling because you're, you're only going to be creating technical debt for yourself. There will be at a point, some feature that you want out of Worf in your application. And if you're, I don't know, if you go down that road of not using it and end up using UAL, for example. Like the features just, they're not going to come to that platform unless you build it yourself. So it's, it's not a matter of, I mean, it kind of is, but it's not a matter of one thing being better than the other. One of them, in my opinion is, and I'm obviously biased, but it's more a matter of like, one of them is we're actively pushing forward on. And when you're evaluating that stuff, are you going to look at the SDKs that haven't been touched in four years or whatever it's been, or... Do you want something that's actively being developed right now that you'll be able to leverage and use it like moving forward and joining this community of people that are working on it? I can say that from our team's perspective, like this is the direction we're going. So if nobody else is developing on this stack, we're going to be. So you'll at least get the benefit of that. Whereas on kind of the other side of the fence, nobody's working on it and hasn't been for a long time. And that's... I mean, honestly, I think that's why a lot of people had resistance to even working in this space. It's just that like tools are not evolving. Things are not keeping up. And it's like now we have the opportunity and the platform to do that on. So like TLDR, I guess, is like if you're planning to start something like start with the new stuff, even if you're not familiar with it and learn it, because once you're on that side of the fence, at least from all the feedback we've gotten is is that it's a lot greener over here. Nice. I like that. Although
0: the grass is green. I mean, I guess, you know, all sailors, <laughs> all sailors have to come to shore eventually, so the wharf is, you know, the wharf can, the waters are more smooth though. <laughs> there you go. All back into our, now. <laughs> yeah, try to be consistent here. Yeah. I kind of remembered where I was, my brain was going before while you're talking about this, these new tools that are available and with wharf kit. And I know that Nathan James and crew from the developer relations team, at the ENF recently well released the web IDE and that's so gonna enable folks to kind of not have to set up their whole development environment to like start playing around smart contracts. Ostensibly other antelope chains, I guess I haven't thought about it much, how generic it is in that case. But how do you foresee the web IDE and kind of synergizing with each other or what's what's the potential there?
1: I think if the like right now I I am not one that does much, if any, smart contract development, so I haven't used the IDE, the web IDE too much. But I do think that there's a potential for the web IDE to also offer the other side of development. Really, as an application developer, you have two sides. In traditional web development, you have front-end development and back-end development. In Antelope World and other blockchain development, you have front-end development and then smart contract development maybe there's a better term for it but the smart contract is your back end and right now the ide is only for that back-end development but it could be expanded into also doing front-end development and be this like cohesive environment which you could build both your smart contract and the like the user interface to interact with it and i think that there's some really powerful opportunities for the contract kit specifically to integrate into the, the IDE environment to really help set you up and get you moving. Cool. That's something to look forward to. I think that's a really interesting area of collaboration and it bring those two,
0: two hemispheres of development together. Yeah. So let's see here. How can, can folks learn more about, let's not save this to the very last,
1: like how can folks learn more about Graymass and support your work in the ecosystem? That's an excellent question. I mean, our website, graymass.com, is our primary facing area. Like it kind of, it's a really broad overview of what we do. If you're more technically oriented, you can check out GitHub. That's where all the action happens. We've got, I mean, over the past five years or so now, we're between both the Graymass organization and GitHub and the WharfKit organization. There's hundreds of GitHub repositories between those two both with examples and usable software and a number of other things. It's obviously kind of like a kitchen, a catch-all kitchen drawer with all everything in it, but in terms of support, we have GitHub sponsors set up. Obviously you can vote for block producers or it's just a matter of like, I think the most valuable thing right now is, and using these tools and communicating to help us make a better product. There may be additional opportunities in the future to support us, but as it stands right now, like we are hundred percent on wharf at least for the next two months or so. And financially that's being sponsored by the coalition. So anything on top of that is obviously welcome, but right now it's, it's the feedback. It's like, use, use these things and be critical. Like, let us know what needs to be changed. Cool. I don't think
0: I'll be able to help out with that. Maybe I maybe I'll try someday just to humble myself to sit on the wharf and stare off at the vastness of the of the ocean. I'm curious, like in the past we talked about this this thing called code golf. Are you still doing code golf? And is that still happening? Like in the what's your code golf
1: score like these days? we we did that really early on and we had a whole github repository for it there wasn't too much engagement so i don't know that we engage publicly too much on it so it's been stagnant for a couple months but that was really methods to experiment with how how to write code really like how best to write code we still do that it it just happens a lot in pull requests now Mm. on github so i mean if If you want to participate and provide feedback in that regard it's rather technical but you can kind of watch the pull requests as they come through and follow them and provide feedback that's essentially what the code golf was it's just we were doing it in this golf format because we didn't have github repositories to begin with like there was no code base to play with it was it was like our sandbox before the code existed so that process still happens. It's just not the same as it was in the beginning. I really feel like, I don't know. Did you originate the idea of Code Golf or is this pre? No, this is like a thing. No. It, yeah. It's like a super nerdy programmer thing. Like people will play Code Golf on Twitter. Oh, nice. Where it's like, here's something you need to make. You need to make something that does this. And that will be like an objective. And. The goal is in tr- traditional code golf is to accomplish that goal in the least amount of characters possible. So that's where the term golf comes from is you know, you try to hit it at the hole in the least swings possible. And code golf, it's the least characters possible. So yeah. And <clears throat> just this programmer thing that is more fun to do because it has gotten to the point where code golf is so obscenely unreadable that it's not like You'll look at the code and you, you don't know how it works. You don't know how the ball got to the hole. It's just a bunch of gibberish. That's great, though. I mean, I, I don't know. Like, as a non-developer, I, I find that sort of thing totally fascinating.
0: Like, I would I would love just watching the process, I think, even if I could barely understand what the heck was happening. It's like, I don't know. There are, there's some analogy there that I can't quite pull out of my brain, but yeah, it's just a fun process i feel like it's a great way to keep things lively in the community so i encourage your continued usage of code golf if nothing else just the term sounds pretty yeah pretty
1: awesome so thanks for keeping it fun yeah it definitely and i guess jumping back one point when we were talking about supporting and using the product like we were trying to make the wharfkit.com website a hub of information like on how you would do that there's a couple guides there right now we're still working on more there the documentation just got updated a couple days ago like the session kit documentation like a rough version of it got published that dives into how to use all the different components what the plugins do what methods you can perform on it that's all hosted it's all open source on github the documentation is it's kind of like a wiki so either like you're welcome to contribute through pull requests or if you read something and you're like I don't understand how this works still even though you've written a page documentation like that's valuable feedback to us so that way we can help or inform people as they're learning how to use all this stuff so not only trying the code but like feedback on the documentation would definitely be welcome as well and that wharfkit.com website is really where we're focusing to like if somebody you know or you want to get started doing this javascript type development that should be the de facto like landing page for it there's no i say this there's no incentive for us to to like do that it's not like we're collecting information or selling or doing anything there it's just we've never had that homepage for this type of developer and we really think one needs to exist so we're trying to make it and thus we're encouraging it
0: well i think you, you all have done a really great job with with branding you're you're way ahead of the curve in at least our neck of the woods in this industry, so wharfkit.com is a very a welcome addition to the to the landscape here. So I'm just gonna say wharfkit.com a few more times. People know <laughs> to go to wharfkit.com if they're interested in learning more about wharfkit.com because it's the place, the place that is the place to start your journey. And it's free and open source software, so that's pretty rad. Anyone can take
1: it and play with it, build it. There's there's the only limit is your
0: your courage and your imagination.
1: Yeah. It's, it is really something that you have to bring your own idea to, you know, which I think is the, it's the reason a lot of us are here is we all have our own ideas about what we want to see exist. And that's what this is for. This tool isn't going to build your app for you, but it will certainly help you build your app. You know, it gets out of the way and lets you do your thing. And that's warpkit.com, right?
0: (laughs) Yes, it is. Hey, speaking of Cool ideas. You mentioned you wanted to dog food some warp kit yourself when the time comes. What do you give us any hints? Like what are you what are you kind of intrigued by? I heard you mention one possible thing that
1: used to fascinate you the other day, but curious what you'll say today. Considering I don't remember what I said the other day. That won't influence me. We're right now we're using it in Unicode. There's a pull request up that we're slowly working through so that way we move Unico from being just Anchor exclusive to being any wallet, and we still have like desires and dreams for building that platform out a little bit just to kind of act as the hub for Antelope networks. Like if you need to do something generic on the network, that's where you can go to do it. And then using that as like a springboard to push people into other apps that do more specific things. So, I mean, I know that's one that's there our team is very much talking right now about what we want to build with it. It ranges from games to social app to productivity things to marketplaces to... It's kind of all over the place in terms of ideas right now, but it's because we're just brainstorming. So yeah, I don't... I Me personally, I, I love video games and I would love to build a video game with it, but I don't know if that's the direction we're going. And there's still so much more tooling to build, but maybe it's time to... Time to build an app. Yeah, I mean, you've been waiting for a long time. You have, you yeah, yeah. Get some
0: satisfaction out of all. Well, I mean, I'm sure, right? It's satisfying to help build the tools, but some yeah,
1: some we just want the house and the hot tub, yeah. So things. Yeah, it was like it's like eight years ago or something crazy that we started on this tool building journey with the intention of wanting to use them to build app. So, <laughs> man, victory is going to be very sweet for you, Aaron. I hope so. so. I, I, I
0: believe so. Yeah. Games. I'm prone to thinking of, about games a lot. And like, you know, in my non, my non dev way, I'm free to imagine all sorts of preposterous things without having to think about the consequences of my, my, my dreaming, which is, you know, in, in some ways like a superpower Cause a lot of developers would go, oh my God, no, you know, this, I don't want to even go near that idea, but I'm wondering like, is there like a super simple, I mean. What is the simplest possible game like iteration you can imagine for like, I guess, like, what are the components? Like, say like somebody comes along and they're like game developer and they're like, all right, I need, you know, all the pieces of the puzzle. I just want like to move a ball around a screen. You know, I need the, the web app, the, the smart contract. Like, is there like a way to create like a game kind of toolkit in and of itself? Could that be a new kit to add to to worth or
1: plug in potentially though it would i don't know how opinionated it would i don't know when you were just talking about your superpower i was like my superpower is poking holes and i dance until like figuring out why they wouldn't work so immediately i'm just like ah, i don't know about this and that so yeah i don't know how that would work but it's certainly possible their games are just super hard i was pitching a game idea
0: to somebody the other day and they're like yeah that's a that's that's a fun idea but that's a lot that's more than you know do you want to get into i think people don't appreciate myself included don't appreciate just how much work goes into building stuff like that so
1: yeah well hopefully they won't have to build quite as much now that they can use war for the blockchain aspects of it yeah Well, cool. I didn't see any
0: hands go up, so people must just be really content and satisfied. It's Thursday, and they're like, the week is almost over, and here I am listening to Ann Cox
1: regale me with Tales of the Wharf. So it's also a pretty abstract topic, so it's often hard to engage on it unless you're actually using it at that moment, and you're like, but why doesn't this do this? Right. Like, that, I think, is—that's most of the engagement we get, so— we're trying not to get super deep in this one. Yeah. So speaking of getting super deep, once again, the upcoming
0: scheduled for August 31st, we're going to go a lot deeper into the the code side of things. If you're a developer and you want to get your hands dirty, you can come scope out the webinar, keep your eyes peeled on ENF social channels, I presume on Graymass and other places you'll find mention of this upcoming webinar. So sign up for that when you see it. And Aaron will be there to answer all your difficult questions. You might have to bring some some backup with you so you don't just get parched. Right. Exactly. And yeah, keep an eye on EF socials for this and other future spaces. You can always talk to Aaron on the EOS Fireside chat. You're usually there every week.
1: Pretty much without fail, I must say. And sometimes I dip out if I if I have something to deal with or I really need to get something done because I can't really code during that time. But yeah, I try to make it. It's when you make your food wander round. Yeah. It's like lunch break plus a little bit more. Maybe I'm like reading emails or something, catching up on the more administrative y type work. Cool. Yeah, it's a good good time to do that sort of thing.
0: Well, thanks everybody for tuning in and thanks for Aaron, for giving us an hour plus of your time to tease us about how awesome WorfKit is going to make our ecosystem, how easy it is to build or how easy it will be to build. And yeah. What was that address again? It was WorfKit.com. Absolutely. Okay. Cool. WorfKit.com then it's the place check out if you want more information. We'll see you next time. We'll see you on the webinar, and between now and then, I'm probably in multiple other places. So, thanks for being thank here. Absolutely. Feel free to reach out. I'm pretty easy to get a hold of. You are, and thank you for that. This community is is rich in that way. It's we've got a lot. Of, I think you made
1: a comment to that effect the other day. Like we're yeah, how accessible so many of us are. It may take a little bit of time, and sometimes because we use Telegram, those things get lost, but. Yeah, there's not layers of bureaucracy between most of us. Yeah, or any of us, really.
0: Yeah, my DMs are generally open, and I know yours are. And we're we're here. We're here for the community. We want to see people building. So once again, thanks again, Aaron, and we'll see you all next time.